Hi, uh, I'm Anthony. I'm Josh. And welcome to 52 in 52. Um, today we're going to be talking about Spectre. I'd uh, just like to say our producer Rachel is back. So uh, as Josh put it earlier, if you were not happy with the production value of the previous podcast, uh, Rachel's back to make sure everything co- goes to order. I think Josh is going to start uh, with a synopsis, I guess, of of uh, Spectre, and and we're going to go from there. Yeah, so Spectre, the fourth James Bond film, and Daniel Craig's run as James Bond. And it's a little, obviously, a little more serialized than Bond had been in the past. It uh, kind of picks up, I mean, Skyfall obviously ended with uh, uh, kind of a James in not the best place. And we pick up Inspector with him in Mexico City, walking around in a, with a long tracking shot to open the film, which is interesting, with him and just some woman we learn very little about on The Day of the Dead. And he's kind of walking around, and then all of a sudden he needs to go scale some rooftops and then kill some guys, and then he has to chase down and really kill one guy. And that kind of takes him off on a little bit of a, a a little bit of an adventure the rest of the movie. And we learn that the first guy he was trying to kill was someone that M had told him to in her last message to him. And under the kind of pressure of the double O program being shut down, thanks to a a new character named C who's kind of in charge of a little merger between MI5 and MI6. He's threatening to defund, defund the double O program, says it's outdated, so James needs to go rogue. And he ends up kind of com- coming ac- going to the initial guy he killed's funeral, and there he, that guy's wife kind of puts him, played by Monica Belushi, puts him on a track to find th- another group of guys he was working with, and that leads him to uh, the Christoph Waltz character, and then Kind of the rest of the movie is him trying to track him down. He goes to an old acquaintance, Mr. White, who then sends him to his daughter, who with him, his, who's played by Leah Sadu, and then they kind of go around the world and trying to track down this uh, syndicate of other assassins that are kind of been James's rivals in the past, and that's pretty much the movie. And I felt at times myself I was maybe a, a little lost here and there because I hadn't watched Skyfall recently. I never rewatched Quantum of Solace. Not, none of you should. And I, it's just been a while. Casino Royale came out nine years ago now. So I thought maybe I just wasn't as – I was maybe missing some stuff because I just hadn't familiarized myself with the Daniel Craig Bond films as much as I should. But then that might not have been why I wasn't so uh, attached and engaged in this movie because I feel like, Anthony, you maybe were a little more attuned to some of the details of the past Bond films, yet you had some issues with it not exactly being the – most, uh, I don't know if engaging is the right word, or cohesive. or cohesive. There you go. So uh, what were your thoughts on this? Because I know you had some issues, and whereas I was just like kind of along for the ride, I didn't exactly know what was going on, I saw these cool set pieces, uh, you kind of maybe followed some of the details a little more, but weren't exactly as impressed. Oof. Okay. That's how I want to start this podcast, and I just want to say that it hurts me that I'm not going to talk well about Daniel Craig and James Bond and Spectre, but there's really no way to talk about this movie without saying that it's just bad, and it's just not a very good representation of the James Bond franchise. And going back to what you said, you were not lost because you you <laughs> didn't just watch uh, Casino Royale and Solace and Skyfall. It's because there was no direction going on at all and nothing really made sense 
at all in the movie, and that's why you're lost, because I certainly was lost at many times, and nothing really made sense, and it did not come together at the end, and and I, I just, it was, it was just a mess overall. I, I really don't even know where to start. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Well, I thought I maybe had the general gist of what was going on the whole time, but I kind of felt like they also dropped us in because these four movies are more serialized than really anything the Bond franchise has ever done before. But I, like I said, I thought that if it kind of felt like you were dropped right into a sequel and just expected to know everything, whereas like I'm more used to Bond being kind of standalone. But like I've kind of felt like I knew that I knew the general gist of this storyline. I just wasn't quite as engaged with the characters as I thought that I should have been and how the movie kind of thought maybe the audience would be. I knew that he was tracking down this network of assassins, or this is how I took it. It seems like he's tracking down a network of assassins, and eventually the Christoph Waltz character is reveals himself to be the mastermind behind the last four films. Because we're not, we're, and we're not even. Real, are we really even going to do a spoiler section for this? Can you I talk freely? You, if you're talking about this movie, you have to talk about it. I okay, mean, that's it. I, I just want to make sure because it kind of is revealed that the Christoph Waltz character says, I, I'm, "I've been the mastermind behind everything." The because author, he says, the, the author, because uh, my dad looked after James after his parents died, and they became too close to each other, and I had to kill my dad. <laughs> and you know, it's like, wow, so this guy became the mastermind of all these different things for, the, for these last four movies because he had some daddy issues. And I, I, I kind of thought, well, I kind of followed what they were trying to do. I, I followed that they were kind of that they found these coordinates at this hotel that uh, the white guy kind of directed him to after he tracked down Mr. White's White, daughter. not Mr. White, dude, Mr. White, Mr. White, Mr. Like White, Mr. White then told him to go to his daughter and then. They were able to go to this hotel, and they found some coordinates there that then took them to this random palace in Tangier. And it wasn't exactly the most logical or cohesive thing, like you said, but I felt like I kind of had the gist of it. It was more just like, this guy has the power to take over the entire world, and he's really, really motivated to do so because daddy issues. And I felt like it was just a very simplistic way of trying to tie together these whole four movies. You're trying to do something that ambitious. I need to have your main villain mastermind be a little more sketched out and not so thin. And I love Christoph Waltz, but I, I want that character to have, if, if this is what you're trying to lead up to, I feel like there needs to be more there. So with me, I, for me, I think my bigger issues with this movie are more with the characters than it was with maybe the maybe just the general storyline. The storyline actually seems simpler to me than maybe some of these other action movies that get kind of convoluted. Sure. Well, you mentioned two things. The first thing is you said that if they want to be that ambitious, and I kind of took it the other way in that it was lazy, and that there was just no point. Well, maybe not this movie, but I mean doing the thing over the course of four films and trying to tie it all together. That's but that's kind of lazy. This is lazy that they couldn't write their own story. You said – the second thing is you said this franchise is known to be standalone movies. Okay. And this is the complete opposite of that, and there's just no – it's just so – unbelievable and when i say unbelievable i mean not believable that javier bardem and lachif and all of these other guys would take orders from this weak ass dude elf looking 410 guy he has a surveillance network though so he's very powerful and that's and that's the thing i don't even know if it's a network of assassins because Bautista, dave bautista plays the henchman but it's not even a, it's not even a network of assassins it's a network of of political people that want to that want to surveil everyone and get all this information, and and I just 
It doesn't make any sense. There's just there's really like no point to anything. So uh, uh, go ahead. You t- so can you, for the listeners that maybe are like me and just haven't rewatched these previous films a little bit, can you talk a little bit about the Javier Bardem character in Skyfall? Because that was obviously a very good movie, and how you thought that that told a more insular story that could stand alone, and what what that did so effectively, and where this movie kind of went wrong as opposed to that. Okay, well, I mean, you said like his whole motivation is that he has daddy issues. Was I wrong? No, but okay. that that's the problem. That's not a good motivation. That does Especially not, for someone that has a bunch me, of people supposedly answering. For me, like, he wasn't even... I didn't even feel like Kristoff was in the movie enough. <laughs> he was gone for the middle and, two hours. And it was just too... It was just too little. And I just don't think that they properly... It, it just doesn't make a Bond villain. The way that they did this movie is not how Bond villains or villains in general are portrayed or developed and it just seemed like such a weak villain to be in a bond movie because the uh, javier Bardem character in skyfall had some yeah. ties to m right? yeah so his motivation is he was a secret agent and then they basically had a fallout and he turned sides and his thing was a revenge plot to get back at m which completely makes sense and everything he did was for that purpose and he didn't stray from that and he didn't torture people for no fucking reason and and I, I just why, why so Christoph Waltz like he really did not like Bond but he felt the need to just he just wanted to torture him before he killed him he's trying to drill well I, I, that's what I'm head. saying I don't I don't even understand the thing with that torture scene it was it, is that it was literally like a mirror image of the, the torture scene from Casino, Casino Royale, Royale. Yeah. that scene had a very important point and Waltz. Maybe I, he's I just, just a psychopath. Can that be a thing? Can no. guys just like this well, see people th- But they, th- that's not that's not what they that's not the story they told. You said like they play the, play him out to be this intelligent, smart guy because he's not like a strong male, like buff dude, and and it just doesn't it just didn't work. And it it really I don't know the torture scene made no sense to me. He's just sitting there. I don't understand what he was trying to do. He's trying to make Bond forget every like re, re like cleanse his memories and stuff, but it's like he'd okay. already killed. He, he'd already bragged about killing every woman that had ever been in his life, but now he wants to erase them from his mind too. Versus it just doesn't like make that. any sense. Like yes. I don't understand how that's torture. Then he's just a dude. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't remember enough to be tortured. It it really didn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, that's that's how I took it. All right. Well, I I I can kind of see that. I had. Um, like I said, I, I I was kind of, kind of this there for the set pieces. Uh, the one thing I kind of remembered about but, Qu- okay, but I didn't I didn't think the set pieces were very good. I don't even know if set piece is the right word, but like at least there was some c- cool action. See, I don't agree. I, the thing that like this movie, even if it's bad, it's supposed to be fun, and I just didn't. Th- it wasn't any fun for me. It wasn't. There wasn't really anything cool. There were no gadgets. They kind of tried to do the gadget thing with the DB9, which is great. I love the Bond cars, the Vanquish, and and. What is it? Um, okay. The Vanquish they have in that movie is like one of the coolest things ever. And then they got this cool DB9, and it's not even stocked. It's not even like stocked with weapons, and it just doesn't even work. And then they get rid of it after a three-minute car chase. Like the only gadget is the watch, and there's no gadgets. There's no fun. There's no point for Q besides Q being a computer guy. And I, I don't know. I didn't. It wasn't fun. It wasn't that cool to me. And I think a lot of what people liked about 
Casino Royale was that it got away from the gadgets a little bit, and it didn't get it wasn't so in love with that, and it just kind of focused on the rest of what was going on, and maybe there might have been one or two things, but it, it didn't get so caught up in having to flash that kind of thing every now and then. It wasn't relying on that to yeah. keep the audience entertained. I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that that it should rely on that, but it's also a staple of a Bond movie to be to be that way and to have like. The, it's just like the recalls in this movie are just so terrible relative to all of the other ones, especially but, after Skyfall. Well, I, what, what, what I was getting at, though, is that when with my comment about the action scenes, I feel like the one thing I can remember about Quantum of Solace was there was like one really impressive set piece in Quantum of Solace from what I remember, and I can't tell you one other thing that happens in that movie. And here I can at least recall a few distinct different sequences here, which were entertaining. Well, you just I, saw it. I, I, I like... Well, true, 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 true. But... There is, there is the, the. I like that first tracking shot. That's something different. Yeah, I, I enjoyed exactly the opening for the most part. It was a little shorter. At first, I was entertained. Yeah, than mean, I wanted, but I don't know. It it wasn't. It didn't feel like as grand as an opening as some of the other, as some of the other Bond movies. Even though it was still, I mean, it was still fine. It was good, but and and then then at first I actually not now that I'm thinking about it. Maybe you are right because. How many? There have been so many Bond movies, like even the ones going back to the seventies that have scenes on trains. That's like a staple, and so I guess that's not really that original. Even if I was enjoying seeing him fight Dave Batista, uh, but th- that was that was kind of cool. And yeah, I think you're right. Actually, the more I think about it, there they they could have done something a lot better with a lot of this. Him just running through the building trying to find her at the end. There wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot to that. And yeah, well, she, now you're making me think more about it. I, mean, and I am dude, a little more disappointed. She's in the street, and and then six minutes later, she's tied up with a bomb with a three minute timer. And then everyone else and in the like team a, got into the guy got into C's office and was perfectly placed after they'd been on the street driving around in cars. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's honestly, it's just ridiculous. There was like, there was no point to anything, and uh, the, I mean, so I guess. What I want to say is the biggest problem with the movie is that Skyfall's purpose was like in a an evaluation of the James Bond franchise and the James Bond character, and they asked a question about is James Bond old? Is he too old to keep functioning? And they put him through all these tests in Skyfall, right? And they do the medical stuff, and they say you're not fit for duty because you can't pass these tests. And then he ends up doing whatever, and he gets cleared to do it, right? And this movie, they're still kind of getting at that at the but beginning. But that's what I'm saying. Skyfall, the purpose of Skyfall is to move, is to get, to answer that question, and they do, and they move past it, and they have the the great ending, and then in this movie, instead of taking the next step and having an original idea or moving forward, they just ask the same questions in a more less subtle way and more boring way and and less stakes and just. It just didn't make any sense, yeah, and C's character was so obviously working with Kristoff the whole time. There's no, there was no suspense for me to that. Yeah, because at the end they're trying to, uh, they they get back to asking that question when, when Madeline, the, the Leah do love interest, whatever you want to call her, she she's she, he's about to go off and do his own thing, and he's like, I'll come back for you, and she's like, No, I have to go do my own thing. I can't live this life. And then he's like, at the end, he's like, Well. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I just want to go be with her. Which and you know, it's it's actually an interesting question or proposition, but they did not do anything to earn that or to justify Bond 
actually making that leap from do I have a choice or do I not have a choice? Yeah, because for her character to be the one that like forces him to get to that point, yeah. you need to have her be a little more of a character than yeah, I mean, just we're definitely some gonna girl you know he's going to end up sleeping with. To her character, but... Yeah, so that, that, that well, we, we can talk about her a little more later, but I'm just saying, yes, they're still trying to get at some of those questions that you're saying that they uh, well, got they up pretty... They didn't need to. They didn't yeah, need yeah, to. Yeah, you're saying they did it effectively in Skyfall, and now they try and, for some reason, do it again and get, get at it in a much less convincing manner. Yeah, and it's like we're going to be political and we're going to we're going to talk about surveillance and have all these countries the contemporary agree. issues in there. You're <laughs> saying. Yeah, I mean, just the parallels to modern day are just unbelievable. And uh I don't know. But it, it it's just it, it's just terrible. It's not good. <laughs> it's really disappointing. It's like, so dis- I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed, especially like for Craig because this is probably going to be his last movie, and I, I think I that I I saw some people saying that he he mailed it in, but I, I actually don't feel like he did. I think that the biggest problem was Sam Mendes and the script, and uh, I just think the whole movie was just really lifeless. I don't really think he was. I actually kind of enjoyed his performance when when he had a chance to be. So what, fun, but you mentioned Sam Mendes. He well, the script and him are two different things. Sure, he, the script. I, I'm not. I don't know if you have a lot of insight into this. How when a movie like this is put together, I know for at least how they do it for like the Furious, the Fast and Furious franchise. Like they conceive of some of the set pieces before they even write the script. I'm not sure if they do it like that way for Bond, but whoever writes the script probably maybe has. A, I don't know if they have more say than Sam Mendes and how these set pieces are depicted. But I'm not sure. Do you think? So you basically think maybe there's more he could have done with the script he was given to just make these action sequences a little better. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't know what they did with them. They were so boring and and just so generic, right? And that's not how the Bond movies are supposed to be. And they tried that with like the plane, and he's in a plane chasing people in a car, and I just didn't. I didn't buy it, really, honestly. You got to that plane really fast. Yeah, what? Where the fuck did the plane come from? <laughs> he, where did it come from? Where did he get a plane? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing in this movie makes any sense. Transportation's a big part of the Bond movies. There's always a big scene made of when he when he find, when he he gets his car every movie. Q shows him the car. He crashes the car. That's always a thing. So we always are very privy to all the gadgets and tr- modes of transportation he has in hand. And here he just pulls the plane out of his ass. I mean... I guess you could say that he got his car at the end, and that was that. But there was he already did that in Skyfall at the end. So. He always gets a car. I feel like I've seen that. But scene. it's the same car from Skyfall. I don't really get why. Nostalgia throwbacks. We Yay. had that in Skyfall. We already had that um, <laughs> last two years ago. We don't need it again. We don't need it in a worse form again. I don't. I don't understand. I just looked up the writers. Um, one of them was. It lists two writers, and then it says and others. One of them was the same. So I'm going to blame that guy, Neil Purvis. You're fired. Well, when a script has four credit, a screenplay has four credited writers and a few other, a couple others. They all wrote a quarter of the movie, actually, and then they put it together, and that's why it didn't make any sense. Maybe. I, I, <laughs> sometimes people get really worried when a movie goes through a lot of rewrites, and then it actually, like, like something like Ant-Man, that went through, that went over so many rewrites, and it turned out okay, but other times. Ant-Man was more than okay, for the record. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry if I was understating. I just meant okay, whereas this was not okay. Yes. And <laughs> yes. And that happens a lot of times when scripts go through. A lot of people they lose their cohesiveness, and uh, I guess you could say that happened here. Yeah. There's actually a couple little things I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and the first one is 
It's so stupid, and maybe I'm wrong for thinking it, it, it bothersome, but every scene in which Dave Bautista is in a car and every scene in which James Bond are in a car, they are in different fucking sides of the driver's seat. Dave Bautista is driving an American car with on driver's side on the left, and James Bond is driving European with the car on the right, with the driver's side on the right, and they're driving on the same road for the whole movie. It doesn't make any sense. How does nobody know? That's the first thing I noticed. Dave Bautista's sitting in the, uh, the left side of the car, and Bond is in the right side of the car. Did not notice that. I, it, it happened through the whole movie. It's so stupid. I thought Dave Bautista, I thought he died at the at. Uh, he did die. Well. Oh, at the plane? It, yeah. No, no, no. That would, I mean, his send-off was terrible, but it wasn't that terrible. Yeah. It, uh, people survive a lot of pretty crazy stuff in this movie. I guess that's just a staple <laughs> of, like, action films with pretty, uh, like overarching villains throughout a film, but I kept thinking but like this guy's got to die. The Bond movies are are, although they're they're grandiose, they are usually more realistic and more than than typical action movies. Mm-hmm. Like we saw a preview for London Has Fallen, and you know people are going to survive helicopter crashes and RPGs in that movie. But why I don't understand why people are surviving bombs. Uh, like right in their face. Right in their face. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I just, I don't know what else to okay, say. Okay, was there were, were there any other little goofs or little things that bothered you? you said you had a oh, couple. the license to kill stuff. Oh my god. A license to kill is also a license not to kill. That was literally a line from the movie, <laughs> and that was the end. That was that's like important to the end of the movie. That that line. That's I, what Sam Mendes did. I was just happy he didn't say it out loud again at the end. <laughs> Are you scared? <laughs> Should I be? <laughs> that was me making fun of Bridge of Spies. I had to get a Bridge of Spies reference in here just for uh, tradition. We say. have to do it once for like every podcast the rest of the year, even if our producer seems a little dismayed by it. <laughs> All right, you're up, Josh. What, what are we talking about next? Do you want to talk about some of the specific performances at all? You yeah. kind of already touched on Craig and how you didn't really think he was mailing it in. And no, I, I agree. I, I just I felt like I felt like the same Bond as we've got in the last three films. It's just every the every the quality around him kind of varies. And I can't imagine maybe him or maybe Mendes he can do more back for the next movie. I, have you, how many of those articles have you read about it? Because I've I, I've read no. some that said that oh no I do want I to mean, do another. Others that he sounds more lukewarm on it. I don't know when they have to decide I, such things. I, by I don't think he could have he can come out to say before the release of the movie. I don't want to do another one. I okay, so he did explicitly us. say that? No, no. I think he. I oh, he can't, actually yeah, think right. he, he can't did. Say I think he happens, did yeah. say it, but I don't think he kind of backtracked it. Yeah, I don't think press wise like, he can PR. say or should say. I mean, he still wants to get paid. I, I can't imagine Mendez would be back for another movie, oh, even okay. though his IMDb page says that it's yeah. His I'm Mendez and Craig's IMDb page both says that they're, they're rumored for Bond twenty five, but I can't imagine that it's gonna happen for either of them. And, yeah, Rachel just showed us an article where he apparently was quoted at some point. Daniel Craig was quoted. Yeah, Daniel Craig was quoted as saying he'd rather slit his wrist than play Bond again. Do we do we need to have a talk, talk about who we would want to be the next Bond, or we can just sit, wait for, wait for the, when that matters? I mean, I mean, we both. I think we're both in agreement that it should be Idris Elba. Is he too old? No. Did you see how old Craig looked in this movie? No offense to Craig, but, I mean. But yeah, but when he started out, he was in his late 30s. Idris is about the same age as Daniel Craig right now. That's fine. Idris... I, I, and he's I'm on the record in, I'm in saying for, he'd do it in a heartbeat, right? I'm in for an old Idris. That's fine, care. too. Yeah. Any, anyone else you'd consider? Or is it just him, him or Buzz? Um, uh, I think that I think I read they were going to consider uh, Fassbender. 
Would he want to do that? He, he's already doing so much other cool stuff. No, uh, I don't think he would want to do it, but I think he could do it. Uh, he I can think, do anything. I think yeah. I read Clive, too. I think he's a little old, though, too, right? You think he's probably even older. He's probably older. He's, I think he's 50 at this point. So. Um, I, yeah, don't, I don't know. I, I usually just go Idris Elba, and I stop thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, a man can dream. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of conversation to have here with us since we're in agreement on that one. Okay, so the there was a big deal made about it at the time of casting that Monica Bellucci was going to be the oldest Bond woman girl ever at like 50 or 51 or however old she is. And she's in this movie for like five minutes. And she gives Bond one piece of information on where to go next after he seduces her right after she's at her husband's funeral, which kind of seemed and it's kind of seemed like we were supposed to be amused by it or the movie thought, oh, look at him. He's putting the moves on her. But it, seemed, it just seemed a little creepy and weird to me. Uh, yeah, you know, it was really cool that they had their original take of Grieving Widow to go after. I've never seen that in a movie before. Um, so shout out to, uh, Sam Mendes for really, uh, opening up the box there. And, but, but yeah, and then she's gone. I figured maybe she would have some other role later in the movie. I don't know Monica Bucci from a lot of different things. She's one of those names that I just know and have never actually seen her work. I think I, I was looking at her, looking and at you her. you still haven't seen her work, actually, so... That's it's a fair point, but I look back at her filmography and she was in The Matrix Reloaded in some capacity, but I hadn't seen that movie in a while, and that was literally the only one I'd ever seen her in. And but everyone made such a big deal about it when she was cast. I figured she was gonna have stuff to do, but she's literally at her funeral, and the next scene, James Bond seduces her. She tells him one thing: never see her again. Yeah, I I, I was gonna I put in my notes that she was. The worst written Bond female character, but then it's not fair to even call her a but, character. But then. Leah came in the movie, so... Well, at least they tried to do stuff with her. I'm just saying, it felt like they cast Monica Bucci so they could get some good PR I, well, for saying Well, they, they wasted the whole cast. They wasted Bautista, they wasted Walsh, they wasted Craig's last Bond Where do I know Dave Bautista from? Guardians. Oh, right, right, right. And he can talk. Yeah. I feel like Shit. some movies. I, I feel like some movies like the, like the idea of just having some bad guy that can get stuff done without saying anything, but... I wouldn't mind you giving him a little bit of a personality also at the same time, besides being this, like, wordless person that just goes on a killing spree. It'd be nice, because we saw him do funny stuff in Guardians of the Galaxy. You don't have to necessarily make him funny, but you know he's capable of delivering dialogue. Even Furious 7 did the same thing to Ronda Rousey. It's like, why do you have to bring her in just to, like, barely say anything and just beat people up? Like, utilize her a little bit like we know she can't we know she can act a little bit for like the entourage movie you know yeah and the thing is the thing is like fargo the tv show just did a character that's a villain that shoots people that didn't talk and they did it correctly and this is just very poorly done i mean i think bautista would be a very good henchman and but they just kind of didn't give him much to do besides be big and tall and strong and fight and then die you said that you knew all along that the C character was going to be working yeah, did with you, Did you not? I, I knew something else was up with him, but I'm just saying, like, you, you kind of figured that his character was very predictable, but what do you think of that performance? Pretty bad. I mean, it was just so... It was so generic. And I also know... I, I know him from... I know that actor... For, his name's Andrew Scott. I didn't know the actor's name, but I knew him as soon as I saw him because he plays Moriarty in the Sherlock reboot on BBC, and he is a, one of the most, most charismatic characters on that show outside of the top two. And here he's just the straight man. We have to shut down the program. We have to shut down the program. We have to shut down the program. And that's all he was there for. So it's a little more frustrating when you know it's someone that's capable of doing a lot more. And uh, 
that's kind of like all he was there for. And at the end, and the corny ass death he had too. Corny what? Corny death. Oh he yeah. Had. Um. Yeah. I mean, this dude, he just fell off a building and died. So I, I really, Sam Mendes again, just killing it with the out of the box suggestions. Um. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was very good. I think they wasted Ray Fines. He was good. He's okay, yeah. But again, they didn't give him much to do, really. Mm-hmm. What about Q? I like him. Like you said, he he was there a little bit, and maybe you weren't quite as engaged because just the, their whole entire task wasn't to do a whole lot, and it didn't make a lot of sense to you. But I, I like that actor, and I like the way he interacts with Bond. And I mean, I guess that's kind of Q's role in a lot of these movies, is just to be kind of exasperated when Bond messes up his toys. But I, I enjoy watching that guy do his thing whenever they give him any dialogue to deliver, even if him and Moneypenny are often kind of sidelined and just there for comic relief. Sure, but at the same time, it like the thing Skyfall did very well was that they they changed these characters, right? They changed M, they changed Moneypenny, they changed Q. But they did it well, and they all had a positive role in Skyfall, and they all had their like niche. And here, it's just there's just and I guess they're just doing things that are unrelated to Bond, really. Yeah, and at the, well, at the end, I thought that last sequence wasn't actually set up that well. I'm now I'm th- now that I'm thinking about Wh- it, which where one? They, where they where they kind of they they meet up at the safe house, then they're off to kind of do their own yeah. thing. And yeah, yeah, they obviously had this whole plan in the back of their mind that we aren't privy to, which is fine. But they end up. Where was Money Penny even in that scene? She was in the car, and then she was just kind of gone. Yeah, she that's was in the car. <laughs> she with was them gone. So you could have like showed us a little bit more of how that whole plan. Even if you didn't have to show us them conceiving of the plan, show that show them putting it into action, so we actually see those characters doing some more cool stuff. Because obviously this this M is a little more active in the field than Judy Dench's M, so maybe just kind of show get show give Ray Fines a little more to do. You have Q there. You could have if you're showing Money Penny is in the car with them. Why not involve her? She's capable of doing a few things, even if she's not exactly a field agent. Instead, it's just. It looks like them and Bond. Bond was planning to get captured and then go do do this thing. But like that, that's the other thing. So Bond, like obviously, wants to get captured. He seemed totally fine with it, and was, that's what it looked like to me. He was so comfortable when those guys got him, and he obviously felt like he knew where he was going. And where was his goal? Like he ended up running right into Christoph Waltz, where the other people just ran right up to see. Like how did they know the, exactly where to go? And we skipped so many steps. You just see them sitting in C's office. Why don't? I'm not sure where you cut from the rest of the movie, but this is a two-and-a-half-hour movie. I'm sure there's a few things they could have taken out and then shown them right there, putting that whole thing together, and that would have been a little more interesting to watch than just see the little bit of fallout from the bombs, big bombs going off at the end. You're right. There was no motivation for that, and they didn't explain it to us, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess the last character I had to talk about was the the main Bond girl. It was played by Leah Sadu, Madeline Swan, daughter of one of the other kind of hitman. That Mr. Bond White from Solace. Excuse me. From she's Mr. White's daughter from Quantum of Solace. Right. So he he ends up tracking down Mr. White. She puts him in touch with him, and she's very very resistant to going with Bond at first. She thinks that he's there to harm her, and even after he saves her the first time, she wants nothing to do with him. And then within two scenes, she's in love with him. Yeah, it's a little problematic. Yeah, it's it's I, so I really hate Quantum Solace, and I think it's probably like the wor- one of the worst, if not the worst, Bond movie. And I actually liked what they did with Mister White here. He was the only one that really kind of made sense 
as someone that would have fallen into the whole um, over the four movies thing and would have worked with Kristoff, I think. But and I think they actually had a really good scene with him and 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 Daniel Craig before he died. Um, and and so yeah, so he's like, I need to protect your daughter. These are this is my last promise to you before you die and give me this information i'll protect your daughter and then she just her character is just it like starts off pretty interesting and like they kind of like want to give her a background that in a backbone yeah that could potentially be interesting and she like makes they make it a point for her to be like look james i'm not falling into your arms and then she falls into his arms and it's funny, like we know that that's just a thing in in James Bond movies. He's gonna sleep with the woman, and I guess with varying degrees of success, they establish why the woman would want to. Here, she is like very adamant she's not going to. And then there's a scene on this train where she walks out and she looks really pretty. And sure, it's understandable he would be very impressed with the way she looks, but she's all of a sudden very flirty when she sits down to eat with him. And then like Dave Bautista comes out of nowhere and it results in a fight scene, but it's. Just, they're, they're in this hotel, and then they're on a train, and there's nothing really to show anything of why her character would have had any different view of him. And all of a sudden, she's just, like, smiling and giggly and drinking with him, and it's like, what did we miss? Yeah. No, I, like, so they, they try to make her, like, independent and strong, and they give her this little, like, mini backstory about how... She had to learn how to she, use weapons. She had to learn how to use a, a weapon because someone tried to come and kill Mr. White at their house when she was a kid. And she had to shoot him to save her dad. And that's cool. And I think that's like an interesting backstory and something they could build off. And then they just completely go 180, 180 degrees for some reason. And, and she literally just says, I'm in love with you. And it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Two days after they met. And she keeps saying, I, I, I never wanted to be a part of my father's life. And then she says, I need to know everything about how my father died and what he was doing. But there's really no motivation for that either. I I didn't think so. Uh, she just just she just wanted to follow Bond, and she keeps saying she doesn't need him. And then like literally, she becomes the damsel in distress, and it's just so unoriginal. Again, Sam Mendes. I don't. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. Like, I think she was the worst written female character in all the Bond movies that I can remember. Even. Olga Korienko's and Quantum of Solace. Was there a lot there in that? Yes, worse. Oh, okay. Well. She might have been written poorly, but this one was written worse. I think, I think, the, I think the age gap also bothered our producer. Do you want to yeah, say anything Rich, about that? Rich, Rich, you want to talk about that at all? I just think that if it was disingenuous, I don't know why I'm getting upset about like gender roles in James Bond movies, but let me have this. Um, you know, they make a big deal about Monica Bellucci being like 51 or 52, actually age appropriate. And like he said, she's in it for five minutes and then he like fucks a 25 year old for the rest of the movie or 30 year old, whatever she, you know, 17 year old age difference though. Yeah. Well, that's too much. And, um, yes, it did bother me as they're walking off at the end. I said, Oh, he's going to adopt her. (laughs) (laughs) I, and then I, I also enjoyed your, uh, I, I kind of laughed a lot in the theater. I, people behind me are probably confused, but he has the chance to kill Christoph Waltz's character, and then he says, I have better things to do. And then Rachel made the observation, yes, a 25-year-old. <laughs> and, that, and that probably made me, that made me laugh more than anything in The Martian. A <laughs> 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 movie that actually tried to make me laugh a lot, so good job by that, on that, Rachel. Thank you, I appreciate it. 
Um, and yeah, just mostly what you guys already said. I thought I, I was okay. I was like, all right, I'm going to get into this. I see that she's going to be the main girl. And they kind of gave her a little bit of agency at the beginning. Um, when they're talking on the train, he's trying to teach her how to use a gun. Like she said, she's, oh, I hate guns. And she tells a story about somebody coming into her house and trying to kill her dad. And I thought she was going to say, and then after that, my dad, dad taught me how to learn, you know, how to use a weapon. And that's because I feel like in movies, action movies, girls who are tough, it's always like, oh, I had brothers. Oh, my dad taught me. But she basically says she had to kill this guy. Um, so I thought that was nice. And then, you know, I don't know. They had the fight scene. She shot the henchman. And then they started having sex. And then I walked out of the theater. <laughs> I, I came back. She but. came back. <laughs> that That's all. Thank you. Yeah. So it really just, it just didn't make any sense why she wanted to, like, follow him and be his little puppy dog. And um, not that that's a good turn anyway, but they didn't even really set it up. Yeah, I, that's, like, I that's don't, I don't thing. want that to be the choice that that Bond girl has to make. But it was like one scene; she's totally independent and knows how to care for herself. Doesn't really have any interest in Bond, and then, then all of a sudden, she has like puppy dog eyes. Especially for someone who's an Oxford-educated psychiatrist, apparently. Like I feel Thought like she, she probably had better things to do. Held herself to a higher standard. Exactly. But she had to know what happened to her father. Yeah, and she talks about how she hates, like, assassins and everything, and then she's, like, going around fucking one, like, yeah, you're, you guys are right. <laughs> you guys are right, world. Assassins are the shit. <laughs> assassins are the shit. That's why I'm going to fuck this guy, this old-looking dude who's never going to be in a movie again. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Yeah, we need to talk about why the fuck they're in Tangier and get picked up by a taxi in the middle of the desert and taken to Christoph Waltz for what reason did that happen? He has surveillance everywhere. What? No, no, no. Explain. Is, this is the point. So they just get off the train and they so, know... So what was their plan before that? They know that Christoph is going to bring him to them? I'm asking you. I legitimately don't know what why that happened. Did they assume he was already following them anyway so they just needed to get somewhere in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. I don't. It literally. Yeah, made, they just had a taxi pick them up. Yeah, up until that point, I thought they. I, I knew that they had been tracking those coordinates, but like I thought they had a plan. I thought they knew what they were doing. Like they said, it was going to be a long wait, so I figured they knew what they were specifically waiting for. Maybe they were waiting for someone else. I mean, I. I. I the only thing I can assume is that that they they took this like satellite image of the area and they knew something was there, so they thought that. If they just go there, Christoph would be watching and bring them to him. He had a he had a a, a camera on that uh, Rumshack train station. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't make any sense, and and it's the same thing. If the, if that is true, if that is what Bond's intentions were, then that's the exact same thing when he wants to get captured by Bardem, which actually makes sense again, and this does not make sense. I agree. That's one thing I hadn't even brought up. I'm glad you took notes on that. Yeah, a lot of my notes are in all caps. <laughs> so I hope that I conveyed that. Um, and I, I, why did they well, – go ahead. Go ahead. No, you make your points first. I just, why do they, br- they bring up the whole thing with Vesper Lind again? That was just them getting at the fact that they killed all the women that he really liked. Except I don't know why there was a videotape of her being interrogated in Mr. White's hotel. I didn't know what the point of that was. Just Because he wasn't really part of the group that would have killed her, per se. So I'm not sure why there was stuff about Vesper Lynn in Mr. White's secret hotel room. 
Because he was a part of Spectre, a secret organization run by Christoph Waltz for four James Bond movies. Did you know that? I picked that up. Wasn't he? I thought he was part of Quantum. Is that so? Quantum was like part of Spectre. <laughs> Nobody knows, okay, Josh. Okay. Nobody knows. So, so, uh, I, I'm, we're, we're I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm not like a bad movie watcher for not putting this together. We're supposed to believe that Lashif's organization, these Somalian African dudes, Quantum and Javier Bardem are all bowing to four ten to the guy that Waltz, who to the guy who had daddy chairs and asked people to move microphones for him because he can't reach out <laughs> his fucking T Rex arms himself. Got Are you fucking kidding me? That was... fucking happened three times. <laughs> you thought he was having talking about something very important. He comes into this first meeting. It's a very big deal. Everyone stands up, and then an aide comes to his side, and he whispers for him to 10 seconds. And from the previews, I already knew that like he knew what bo- that Bond was there, and maybe he was getting, receiving some information about that, and that was the point, and he was telling someone to go do something about Bond being there. But no, he just needed someone to go with his microphone. <laughs> We uh, didn't even really talk about him. Well, because what is there to talk about? He didn't get to do they a lot. Do any, they didn't even use him. If you had had just that version of that character doing other stuff for 20 minutes, does that satisfy you? Or I don't think it's enough of a turn. For I mean, I, I'd only seen him in the Tarantino stuff before. I, I guess he did the... He did Inglorious. The, yeah, that's what I meant. He did Inglorious uh, and, and Django. He's done, a, he's done other stuff since then. I just haven't bothered watching it, but... Does he, does, I feel like he's a talented enough guy. He might have more shades than they tried to give him here. I don't think Sam, I think Sam Mendes was content to let him do the Christoph Waltz thing we all know, but I really think that guy it, it could do something different if he had been pushed to, and it felt like he was just being his charming villain self. Yeah, and I, it just doesn't... I think that he could have... I think he's well cast for the role that they didn't write him to play, but they just... What what is his end game? There, there's a he wants difference. to be able to surveil the whole world, and then what? But it, exactly, so it doesn't. It's like it doesn't even have to do with Bond, and so like Bond is unimportant to him. He could have killed him like six times, and it's just like it's. I know that it's always like a game for the for the two for the villain and the hero to like. They don't they don't just kill each other. They don't just shoot him in the head and stab him in the back. Like there's always a big thing and they play games and they like give them chances to survive because like that's what keeps them going and i understand that but it just didn't it didn't make any sense and then he showed uh her the video of her dad shooting himself for what reason at first like you thought that that was going to be to turn her against james that was his goal but then she still was in love with him could we find out five minutes later so what i'm not sure what he was hoping to accomplish by how that? did this criminal mastermind guy not why does his machine just magically not work on James Bond when he puts a needle in his fucking head? Why? Did he? Well, he Why? said that he said that when that needle, like there is a ten percent chance, or depending on where it happened to hit, if it hits this one thing, then it will do this. I think he knew it wasn't definitely going to erase all of his memory right away, but if he drilled his head into the right spot and he happened to hit the right thing, then it would be okay. Like we talked about earlier, we weren't really sure. Why that was his goal? Why did he just kill him? But maybe he just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense because at the end he wants to kill him, but the other times he actually doesn't blow him up later. He doesn't even want to kill him before that though, because even he he really doesn't at any point. Doesn't yeah, walking around without a weapon. I guess guess he wants to kill him when they meet up. He wants to kill him in a very specific way in the torture chair. Yeah, but I don't. I just don't. I don't understand. I just. I am never going to understand this movie. 
Okay, well, now that we're kind of talking about your frustrations overall at the movie, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to see, because it seems like you're very disappointed by it, I wanted to compare it to a few other movies we've seen this year and see if you would rank it lower or higher and just get your general right, thoughts on that. I'm guessing, I don't even have to ask, Bridge of Spies still lower? Yes. Okay, you had to think about that for a second. How about compared to The Martian? Martian's better. Martian's better? I'm trying to see. How about something like... Um, I don't know. Those, those, those are the two main ones of this genre. There have been some others that I know you've been disappointed with. How about Fantastic Four? Uh, at least Fantastic Four had a chance, and it had... had Bond movies have... Every Bond movie has a chance. They're Bond movies. Y- sure, but they just fucked it up, whereas... They didn't have anything here to fuck up because there was nothing that happened. Okay. The, well, the thing is, like, we're I'm I'm comparing this to the other Bond movies and to a, a different standard. Yes. If I I'm gotcha. if I'm watching this movie as a random action movie, then I would probably like it more, even though it's still the same amount of bad. Mm-hmm. I I still think it's better than Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. I guess. I would ha- say that I would have to rewatch Quantum of Solace, but again, I'm not going to rewatch Quantum of Solace ever. I got be- we got better things to do with our time. Yeah, so it- it's just relative to the James Bond standard. This was definitely a disappointment, especially considering Mendez did so well with Skyfall. Any thoughts on the Sam Smith song? It sucked. <laughs> um, please disagard what Rachel said. I actually, I actually, so I, I try not to listen to the Bond songs until the movie mm-hmm. comes on for all of them. Um, I actually thought the opening sequence was rather weird. I thought it was very weird. Um, I know they're all like kind of like that, but I, I, don't, like I, I don't remember all of them. Naked like, silhouette woman draped se, over a shirtless Daniel Craig. Yes. But this one was especially weird. But I, I mean, Sam Smith sounded good, even if. I don't know. I mean, they could have. It's also hard to follow Adele. That's a tall task for anyone. Sure, sure. I mean, Smith can do it. But they just, I mean, the song wasn't like great, but he sounded good, and I mean, it was better than watching Daniel Craig be on fire with serpents and shit. So tentacles. But there was like, I don't know. <laughs> it was it was a little trippy, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What else? Anything? I think we're good. All right, well, so we, we saw Spotlight last night. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see Truth this weekend, and we're going to do a, p- a pod on that tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday, whenever we get to it. So we'll do a little journalism movie pod. And Anthony, on his blog, wrote about Spotlight. He didn't do a full review because we want you to listen to the podcast to get our full thoughts on it. But it, Spotlight's been kind of the front runner for a lot of – it's just been kind of leading the talk as far as the Oscar race goes. So Anthony kind of wrote a, wrote a blog post on his thoughts on the quality of movies as a whole this year and how Spotlight fit into the Oscar picture. So after we review those movies, we might talk a little bit about just the Oscars in general. I think we're later in – maybe right before the Oscars, because we'll do a full pod once we've seen everything, but maybe talk a little bit about performances we've thought of up to this year and how it's a little, it's turning out a little differently as far as just the overall number of strong performances within the quality films we're seeing. I think that's a, a good way to yeah, put it. Yeah, there's not a lot of movies it. in the top tier. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find the blog at aclamwatchesmovies.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. A K L A M watchesmovies.blogspot.com. Um, if you want to discuss with us, you can find me at Twitter at a clambake, a k l a m b a k e, and I'm at Josh Jernovoy, J o s h j u r n o v o y. 
And uh, Rachel, our producer, is at Chikachu. C-H-E-E-K-A-C-H-O-O. Is that right, Rachel? Yeah. Yep. And before we get out of here, too, I want to give a shout-out to our future sponsor, MoviePass. Yeah, again, thank you for sponsoring us tonight and every <laughs> night going forward. And making it possible for us to see as many movies as we do without going broke. We really appreciate it. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll have this up on SoundCloud and iTunes soon.